0: Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Women in Sport podcast. Uh, this episode is a bit of a student special. Um, as, as a charity we receive loads of requests from lots of students and um, unfortunately we can't respond to everyone individually so we thought it would be a good idea to gather some of our team together and um, get some questions from you guys and put it to the team. So. I'm joined by Heather Smith, who is on her second appearance on the podcast. Um, Some of you may remember Heather from episode one, where we did a little bit of intro about what the podcast is and and some of women in sports innovation work, as well as the research and advice service, which this podcast kind of sits under. And also Kate Nicholson, who is our head of insight and a bit of a podcast pro. Some of you may have heard her voice on uh, Ed Miliband's podcast that she went on, last year to chat about our reframing sport podcast so i mean our reframing sport work so welcome guys it's quite early in Thank the morning nice. so um hopefully no one's too croaky uh, on this cold morning in london kate first of all it's your first cap on the podcast so do you want to just share a little bit about your role women in sport and um and i guess why you're here as well
1: yeah so well thanks for inviting me along florence um <laughs> Yeah, so my role at Women in Sport, I head up Insight and Innovation, Um, so that's the team that really looks at how we understand what the issues are, get underneath the issues and understand how to uh, make things better for women and girls in sport. So we do lots of work in this area with teenage girls, girls who are uh, students like yourselves um, and also throughout the age. Um, and the important thing is that we want to make sure that we're doing work that people can then apply to their programs and make them better, and so we can get more girls, women, and girls involved in sport.
0: And um, what were you doing before you joined the organisation? Unlike some of us here, where we've worked in sport or we've worked in the charity sector, your journey um, to women's sport was actually a bit different.
1: Yeah, so I've been with women in sport now for two and a half years, and my background I came from a very different background from sport. So I worked for Twining's Tea, I was working in their marketing and international departments. I worked at Kimberly Clark, which does huggies, so I've worked with mums on babies and developing products for babies. Um, I've worked on Bodyform, which was the uh, launch of the wing towel in. <laughs> in the early 90s so that was probably you might remember the song I won't sing it for you but uh, so my background's very much been in marketing market research and insight all throughout my life and then I decided to make a big change uh, and move into sport and it's been fantastic so far. Good to have you with us. Thank you. I think you should definitely drop in a whoa, body form. Form. <laughs> 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 I'll sing it at the end. When I've warmed up, I need to warm up my vocal cords. Really. It
0: might break some copyright, but bec- we will get Kate to do her own version, and then we won't break any copyright laws. <laughs> <else. laughs> so, first question. Uh, well, thanks to everyone also who got in touch and, and sent us things um, over email. It's really, really great to know that so many of you are engaged, and also that so many of you are studying topics and, and focusing on projects that really relate to our work and obviously loads of you are really passionate about the topic as well so first of all we have Megan who is a PE student at the University of East Angular and um, quite perfectly Megan's questions are actually quite a lot about what we do as an organisation um, so who wants to kick things off about uh, what are women in sports aims that's Megan's first question
2: Sure, I can um, jump in. So we are a a UK-wide charity. Not everybody knows we're a charity, so (laughs) get that one in nice and early. Um, And we believe in um, a society basically where men and women have equal opportunities. And and the little bit of that that we really focus on obviously is sport. Um, So in terms of our aims, we could be working on anything. And um, there's a, a number of sort of issues from field of play to boardroom, from early years throughout women's lives. So we've had to focus a little bit, and the three kind of big areas that we're looking at at the moment are, um, firstly, around girls. So we know there's a number of uh, really key age points for girls, one um, about sort of age six, seven, and eight, where girls' attitudes are really starting to kind of be formed and um, become a bit, bit more firm around whether sport is or isn't for them. So we're really interested in how we can intervene at that really young age. Um, And then as girls move into their teenage years um, we see participation really sort of start to take a bit of a nosedive and around that time boys are starting to do more as well, uh, more activity. So we know that there's something really important to, to be looking at there and that's been a real big focus of our uh, work for the last couple of years. You've already given reframing a shout out this morning, but it's definitely a piece of work to have a look at if that's of interest. So girls is, is really important to us. Um, and then at the kind of other end of the, um, well, not quite the other end, but another life stage uh, is around um, menopause, um, but not just about supporting women through that time, although that's, that's really important, but thinking of it as a moment of opportunity. And if we can engage women at that point, then we can help them live kind of healthier lives for longer. And then our third um, big aim is all about the culture of working in sports. So we've done a lot of work in the past looking at um, women on boards and in kind of C-suite level, so CEO or um, CEO, COO level um, positions within sport. Um, And there's a bit of momentum there now. So we know a number of organisations are really starting to drive kind of diversity targets so that we've got um, at least 30% of women on boards, which is a key kind of tipping point for diversity of um, thought. to lead organizations. So what we're looking at in that area now is all about how we can work with the kind of wider workforce and start to shift some of the cultural issues that we know exist for women working in sport with the the hope that that then encourages more women to come in and move through into those leadership positions. That about right, Kate? Yeah no I think that's uh, (laughs) probably summed it all up so
1: why dream it and I think that's something that's really important to us it's not just about one cohort it's actually about how do we get all women to have those opportunities um, and to be able to participate in sport to be able to work within sport to be visible within sport all of that is so important to us um, and that's what we're striving to do.
0: And something that um, seems like quite an obvious question, but it's actually something we do get asked a lot um, in the media, in, uh, our media inbox, is why should women participate in sports? Because it's something maybe we lose track of because we're so conditioned to think, oh, well, everyone knows that physical activity and exercise is great for you and we just do it. But actually, you know, Megan's asked, why is it important that women participate in sports?
1: I mean, I can go and think of a number of reasons. And if I go back to my story, I'm in my 50s now. And one of the motivations for me to come into women in sport was because I recognise how much happiness, value and benefit sport has brought to my life. And we see that in the research we do, that women can play back to us the real importance of some of those moments and those sporting moments, those moments of activity. So it goes way beyond health. So things for me are outside of being healthy, feeling empowered as a woman and feeling fit and, hel- uh, feeling fit and strong. I think some of the important things are a lot of friendships are made there. It's an area where you really see support from others. Um, and I think I can see how during that time that I've been involved, that we've developed communities and groups of people who all help each other, and it's all happened through sport. Um, so it's a real glue for women to be able to support and help each other. Um, I think it helps with um, when, you're, um, when you're feeling stressed or anxious, it's, it's a brilliant way to just let off steam. And I think you forget about those things sometimes when, if you just focus on the health benefits, which inevitably
2: are there, yeah, nice. I think it's really nice to hear it articulated that way. We quite often go to things like social cohesion and better mm. mental health and actually, you're right, it's about friends and about feeling really good in yourself and why shouldn't shouldn't women be accessing that in the same way as, as everyone else does?
1: Yeah, and I think it's, it, it, sometimes women get sort of put second in in the pecking order with sport and I think it's really important. Women have just as much right to be participating, to have the courts, to have the fields... Mm-hmm. And make sure that they they can participate. So I think it is about getting that balance right now.
0: Heather, you have a long background working in sport. You've worked at NGBs. You've kind of mapped out a lot of a lot of the of the it's sector. Not really old. <laughs> <laughs> but you're extremely young to have done what you've done. Um, so in ter- from an sort of organisational standpoint, uh, Megan's asked what could sports organisations do to increase female
2: participation levels. I mean that is another big question <laughs> um, and if it was uh, kind of easy and we had a simple answer to that then absolutely we would hope that everyone would be doing it. I think what we'd kind of advocate for is really um, considering women and girls and putting them um, kind of at the heart of what you're doing and really understanding them in, in their broadest sense and their broadest lives and then thinking about how sport might fit fit into that so for me it's having them embedded in your kind of strategic approach in all your strategic plans um, doing uh consultations so talking to women talking to girls and actually understanding what it is that they want from your organization and how you can best cater to that and remember that that might change and flex over time as well so it's not a a one-off it's it should be a a constant kind of consultation Um, and then from that hopefully other things would stem so the the way that you deliver whatever activity it might be or the way that you market or communicate will then align a bit better to what women or girls kind of want Um, and I guess the other big lookout is just don't think of women and girls as as a big homogenous group we're talking about 51 percent of the population there so within every community within every sport within every culture or faith or whatever it might be there's going to be different differences and there's going to be nuances so just really understanding your community i think is is probably the the key
1: yeah i mean i would echo that i think really understanding who you're trying to talk to is especially important because you, you can't just talk to one person and assume that that's going to appeal to everybody. So I completely agree with Heather, it's about understanding lives, making sure that you can bring relevance to them and also making sure that it's enjoyable. And I think sometimes we, we remove lots of barriers but we don't think about actually how can we make it the best possible experience um, and really push the boundaries a bit on that. So I'd like to see some real innovation happening within the sports sector. I think that would be quite fun, particularly for those that perhaps haven't engaged with the existing uh, and more traditional sports. How can we really surprise them with the
2: joy that they can get from other things that are out there? We're big believers in FOMO, aren't we? Yeah. Make it the thing you can't you can't miss out on. Yeah.
0: And um, next. Batch of questions, I think that was a really nice sort of intro from Megan there, is from Charlotte, who's an MA student, Um, she didn't actually share where she's studying, Um, but Charlotte's asked, who are the most influential role models for girls? Would it be better if media campaigns weren't focused on men and women, but mixed? Who wants to take that one?
1: Well, I think interestingly with role models, role models happen in many different guises and I think one of the things that we've found through the research we've done is that the most influential role models are those closest to home so in fact what young girls are seeing around them every day with their mums, their dads, their brothers, their sisters these are the role models for them um, and really important in terms of influence so that for me is, a, is really important to observe it sometimes is those people closer to home that we can leverage and help um, help women and girls see others like themselves um, participating in sport and, and being part of that. Um, as a backdrop, I think what's happening in elite sport and what's happening, what we see through the media, is also really important in setting the tone. Um, because if we don't see women playing sport, being active, and um, being successful, um, then it's hard to imagine that. So that's something I think that's also really important. Yeah, definitely.
2: And I think it's a really important point because when we talk about role models, we quite often go to those kind of high profile elite um, women that that you see competing at the highest level. And Kate's absolutely right. When we're talking about changing behavior, then it is the much closer to home um, people in your lives. And I'm sure anyone that's kind of gone on their own sporting journey would, when you think about the most influential people, you probably would pick a a teacher or a parent or a friend or a sister or a brother that's really been the, the person that makes the change in your life so yeah and i would suggest i mean just one of the
1: reports that actually looks at that in more detail if you have a look at what sways women to play again looking at influences and influencers in that particular report could be um really beneficial to to get underneath the skin of it
2: I well, thought the second part of that question was really interesting. So should we be profiling kind of men and women separately or, or together? And I'm not sure there's a, a right or wrong answer on that. I think my instinct would be that um, we, we absolutely want men and women taking part and, and to get sport to a place where it's as normal for women to be playing at every level of um, or taking part at every level of sport and physical activity. Sometimes you, things need a bit of a nudge. And actually, if, if it's not the norm to see... Women out on a football pitch in the same way you would guys, then to kind of over-index that in in media campaigns, I think can be really powerful. But I'm not sure there's a a right or wrong on that one.
1: No, I think it's about
2: balance, isn't it? I think it's it's it's
1: good to see stories, and I think they need to be authentic stories. So stories about mixed sports, stories about men and girls, that women and men, it's all equally good. And I think it is about getting that balance and being able to. To see how it impacts everybody uh, within within life.
0: And the next batch of questions is from Georgia, and uh, Georgia is the vice president of sports and societies at Edinburgh U- Napier University. Shout out Edinburgh! I went to Union Edinburgh. She has helped set up the Scottish Student Sport Women, the sh- Scottish Student Sport Women's Sport Working Group. Congratulations, Georgia! That's a really uh, great thing to do, and obviously, something we're very keen on. So, um, great work, and I hope some of this will be useful to you. So, she says the aim is to raise the profile of women's sport in Scotland and increase the development of opportunities for female participants, leaders, coaches, and officials. So, very much aligned with what we're doing as well. So, she says, as a group starting this journey, what advice can you give on how to measure the impact these development opportunities may have?
1: Yeah, so great shout out, I think, brilliant initiative, well done. Um, So, I think some of the things I would be thinking of there is, particularly about initiatives, the first thing is that you need to make sure people are aware of them. So, I think it's really important to check out first and foremost that you are getting awareness of those initiatives, Um, and then you need to make sure that people are connecting with them. So again, it's about doing a little bit of research, talking to the people that you're looking to connect, Understanding those that haven't been aware and why that is, um, and really thinking about how you can connect with the audiences that you want to um, influence. Um, so those were just a couple of the things that I would start thinking about as a as a start point when you're uh, when you've set something up to be able to monitor.
2: Yeah, and I think my um, my thoughts were almost to go a, a step before all of that and really think about what what it is in terms of the change you're trying to trying to affect. Because uh, as I said at the top, for us, there's a huge amount of um, work to be done in women's sport, and, and we've we I know it's tough for us to focus down on and our kind of focus. So um, when you're starting that journey right from the beginning, just really thinking about what's the what's the change that um, they can be making. Where can they really focus those efforts? Because I' um, again, it's, it's absolutely brilliant that George' has been doing this, but um, she's obviously got a role at the university and maybe some studies alongside that as well. So just um, being realistic in terms of what those expectations are and then the measurement side of that I guess would would flow from that. So what's the change that you're able to influence and then you can work out what the the measurement is um, off that because because it's big and it's and it's tough. Yes. We've been going yes. at it for <laughs> 35 years so um, yeah. Yeah, but brilliant. Yeah, no, really it a good go. advice. I, I, I think that's right. I think we've all learned that you can get
1: really excited. There's so much you can do, um, and it's brilliant. But if you go at it and it becomes too scattergun and fragmented in approach, it can sometimes take some of the impact. So, yeah, having that really firm foundation is uh, is a great piece of advice, Heather.
0: And um, Georgia's next question, and I think that the answer is going to be quite similar. So she, as a group, she says they want to raise the profile of women's sport in Scotland through a national campaign. What piece of advice would you give us on starting this process? And I think what Heather and Kate said was really important, um, you know, start local. Don't necessarily have your eyes on the biggest thing first, because obviously that's harder to reach. But there's something to be said about how much impact you can have um you know in your social circle or uh, you know George is the vice president of the sports and societies group so she obviously has influence uh, at the university and she can have a big impact on what sports they're offering on how the sports are delivered and things like that you know where where the women's teams are playing their events are they doing a facebook live stream all these things so I would definitely say start small, focus on something that you really want to achieve. Is it that you want to make sure that, you know, every women's team gets one main match on the main pitch at the sports facility? Or is it is it that you want to make sure that, you know, attendances grow by X amount or media coverage grows or whatever it may be? you know build links with the student newspaper things like that which are um you know I'm sure you're doing some of that already but it's really essential things um and then once you've done that once you've you know had some some success that you you know locally and and in your own community as the influencer you are then build on that rather than you know targeting a massive national campaign which um is a fantastic idea but can be harder to to pull
2: off. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was um, kind of my thoughts as well, was to focus a bit at some of the... um, So we've run a couple of campaigns here at Women in Sport. We were involved in one a couple of years ago with um, British weightlifting, and we were quite focused on the women that we wanted to target. So we knew we wanted to be talking to women that were probably already active but might not have been lifting weights. And it was about that small change of moving them into the weights area if they're already in a gym. So already we we sort of narrowed down um, Uh, quite a lot but what that enabled us to do was have a real clear message and a real clear kind of campaigning ask Um, and even big campaigns so things like this girl can for example they're not trying to talk to elite sport they're all about um, just getting women active and um, they're kind of everyday woman that you might see kind of going for a run or or doing a bit in their living room so even with a big and that's a big multi-million Um, multi-year campaign they've still narrowed a little bit so i think what you're saying is absolutely right there and and there are there are some inequalities that exist in student sport absolutely so if um, if georgia and the team there can be doing a bit to shift that whether it's in edinburgh or or a few universities in in scotland then that's going to have a massive impact on hundreds or thousands of of uh, girls lives so yeah definitely just that narrow focus
1: yeah and i think use use the stories that are out there because there's some brilliant stories that are naturally there that you can then use to, uh, to tell your story if you like. So I think those authentic stories are really important and if you, the more you can tap into those and the more that you can involve your, um, your supporters in telling those stories, I think that was something that was really valuable in the, in the weightlifting example that you spoke about is, is using some of those stories.
2: And you've got an Edinburgh alumni here at Women in Sports, so you can give Flo a, yeah. give Flo a call. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure she could be her soundbite. Yeah,
0: find me on Twitter. That's where I spend most of my, my life. <laughs> and we've got Nicole next from the University of Chester. And um, in Nicole's email, she talked about how she's really passionate about cricket and she wants to get more girls uh, and women playing cricket, and especially the young women at her university. But Nicole's in her last year, and she's a bit worried that when she leaves, because she's sort of the face of cricket uh, at the uni, well, women's cricket at the uni, she really wants to make sure that when she leaves, that the team and the passion doesn't get left behind. So she wants advice on how to
2: attract more women to the university cricket team. Um, yeah, great. And again, props to Nicole for making sure the, uh, the cricket legacy sort of lives on um, at Chester and it's, it's, a, it's a common thing that happens in university sport and most degrees are a, a kind of three years. So there's always going to be a bit of turnover and that longer term planning is really important. My, I mean, my advice to um, student groups is always talk to your, um, your SU or your AU, because there will be somebody there that's got some experience in this side of things, and um, you might not have to relearn all of the lessons that, that they've um, they've already been through. Um, talk to the national governing body. So in this case, it'd be the ECB, the um, uh, Engle- England and Wales Cricket Board. Um, there might be local kind of um, staff that can help out and again have some tools or or access to funding or some advice even that could be really helpful um cricket actually have a great uh, participation offer at the moment called softball cricket which has been designed specifically for women they have their own um i think they've actually even had their own um, bat designed which is um really fun i've seen it it's pretty jazzy um but it's a nice kind of entry level offer for people that haven't necessarily played before and Quite often, new um, arrivals at university are looking for the new opportunities, and Kate mentioned them earlier, that kind of excitement and doing something different. Um, Actually, cricket might be one of those things. If you've not had the opportunity to try it in school or um, in your younger years, then it might be a new and exciting kind of opportunity. So positioning it in that way can be really powerful. Um, And then the last bit of advice is just to really think about your kind of place in the market. So what is it the cricket team is offering? Are you a really competitive team that's taking part in Bucks? Um, you're in the, the Premier League and you're traveling all over the country and how? what do you ne- then need to kind of market around that? Or are you just a rock up on a Sunday, have a couple of nice sandwiches and a bit of a run around with your friends and it's, it's much more chilled? Um, so yeah really understanding kind of what your offer is and then marketing to that because it's really important whatever the experience is is what you're putting out there because we find quite often if if there's a mismatch there you market something you might get a few people turn up but they're not going to stay because it's not what they expected and it's not what they wanted from that session so yeah just really understanding that and then marketing to that i've talked for a long time there yeah, anything the no, to I throw think in that's
1: I, uh, absolutely great <laughs> advice and i think The only other thing I would just um, add to that from what we understand about um, women and girls who are looking to start or to to enter into a sport or to join a team is that sometimes girls find it hard to know are they going to be good enough. So back to what Heather said, Um, you know, be really clear about who you're looking for and what that promise is and what, what they should expect. And really you might have to encourage some to come along And again, develop their skills here because cricket might not be something they've played before, but they might actually have a huge aptitude for it. So I think, again, getting over that, am I good enough to really go, can put off a lot of girls. So I think it's thinking about that as well up front. Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, I think that's a a really nice way to finish, actually. And I think... That question is something we, we get asked a lot from all different uh, sorts of people, from all different organisations, whether they are a university team or they just want advice on how to start a club or or they feel like they're not, you know, recruiting as many girls or women as they would like to whatever session they're delivering. So I think that piece of advice is going to be something that will be useful to a lot of people, regardless if you're a student or not. so. I think we're going to leave it there because I think we've covered lots of different things. Um, so thanks to Kate and Heather for joining us. Uh, we'll be back in March for a special International Women's Day podcast. So that will obviously be released on the 8th of March, International Women's Day. And we're going to be focusing on uh, champions. So the uh, theme for International Women's Day is each for equal. So we're going to be talking to women and men who are really championing activity for women and girls, whether that's on a national level or or a local level and it's really to, sh- to talk about the fact that everyone can make a difference in their communities when it comes to getting women and girls active so thanks very much for joining us on the podcast again this month and we will see you next month and please keep all your questions or responses or any ideas you have coming through into our support inbox support at org, or get in contact with us on social media